Hey, business owners, ever wondered what happens when you take a payment? Well, there's a whole world of transactions powered by Elevon. Whether it's through currency converting, security asserting, business supporting, real-time reporting, e-com providing, or expert advising, <laughs> Elevon supports all payments for your business. To find out more, visit elevon.ie. Elevon, your world of payments. Elevon Financial Services, DAC trading as Elevon Merchant Services, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Big Tech Show brought to you by Elevon. Elevon makes payment taking simple, freeing you up to focus on your business. You take on the world, they'll take care of the payments. See elevon.ie for more. The Women in Tech podcast brought to you by 100% Electric Nissan Leaf. Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech podcast series with me, Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunday Independent, and brought to you by 100% Electric Nissan Leaf. For this series, I'm speaking to Irish women involved in tech who are dispelling myths and breaking down barriers. On this episode, I'm joined by Jennifer Cox, who is a CSM Associate Security Engineer. Don't worry, I'll find out what that is later. With Tenable, an international cybersecurity company. With a background in theatre and media studies, Jennifer is not your typical STEM candidate. So Jennifer, if we're looking at people, women who have careers in tech, your career path has been a very circuitous one. So just go back to maybe when you were in school. Was it something you were thinking about at all, technology? Not one bit. So when I was in school, um, from primary school and up, I would have been, I suppose, one of the, the gobbiest in my family. Um, I loved all things sort of drama and theatre. I got involved in uh, in radio production. I wrote plays. If I was at the forefront of, of anything that involved um, letting people know my opinion, uh, that was it. First woman out the door. Um, but well, I did a, an aptitude test when I was in school. We all had to do it. I think yeah. in the fourth year and everybody got to see what they were you know, going to do. And I was waiting to be told I was going to be some kind of superstar that was going to work in media. And I was told that you would be perfectly suited for teaching or IT. Oh, OK. And I could have cried on the spot. I was, didn't think it was the thing to go into at all. Um, the irony being that I love it now mm -hmm. and it is a perfect suit for me and I have actually spent that many years showing people how to do things in IT so the two of them got rolled into one but it never crossed my mind then. So so when, when the IT was mentioned to you in school was it something that you actually knew much about were any of your friends into technology or was it something maybe that the guys some of the guys in the class kind of were into and it wasn't something that you would think about? So I love gadgets so I was when you have things like mobile phones and such which were pretty basic say back then um, I love to learn about uh, whatever was new and teach my mother how to use her computer um, things like that but I saw it really as kind of a hobby I had two brothers who are madly into computers and you know it was, a, it was an area they certainly wanted to go into but for me um, I didn't see it as something that I could be um, entertained by it, and I wanted to be entertained. Okay, so yes, so basically the theatre was what you were interested in. After school, was that what you really wanted to do with your life? That's where I thought I was going to go, so I, I studied it after school. I did uh, theatre studies and um, I did media production as well. Then everything, we covered everything from, from script writing to calligraphy. We really covered it all. I really enjoyed it. And by the time I was finished the course and had done some practical work in that field with companies as opposed to within our own little network as such, um, then real 
the the realism, I suppose, hit in about whether yeah. this is really going to be a career that I could forge and make money out of, or would I be eternally stressed about, yeah, you know, it, paying the bills? Because it is an area that is seen as uh, transient, and there's maybe a production, and you go from one to the other. So, what did you think about then for yourself? Did, 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 at that stage, it wasn't thinking about tech at all. Still, it was still. No. Not a bit. A hobby, it was in the background. No, it was still, I worked various jobs um, while I was in college. You know, your your average kind of shop jobs, pub jobs, restaurant jobs, that kind of stuff. I was always the one that ended up um, fixing the tills, fixing the PC in the back office, um, helping people get hours off machines, teaching them how to use stuff. It just tended to happen that way. Um, but I kind of rattled along for a few years and then I, I met my partner and we had our first son and then I decided, you know, have to really make a decision about what I'm going to do. So I went for a desk job um, in a credit card services company. Just customer service, answering the phone, telling people where their money is and why it's not in their bank yet. Um, and that kind of evolved. I was only there for six months, but during that time there, it evolved into helping them with their systems and troubleshooting their credit card machines and troubleshooting their online systems and such then. And I became pretty handy at that. Yeah. Um, looked to get promoted. There was an opportunity for a promotion coming up, um, but it turned out then that I couldn't go for the promotion because I didn't have a degree. Okay, so that was holding you back. Yes. Despite the fact that you were actually, your skills were very useful to the company. Yeah, and I I, I was doing twice the numbers, um, twice the capacity of calls, and I had a much higher rating than anybody else on my team at that time. But that didn't, when you've got... Uh, red tape and paperwork that says you have to have certain minimum standards in place and they couldn't look beyond that. So what did you decide to do about the degree aspect of the career? Did you did you decide to go to college and do the career or do the uh, degree for the career or did you still just proceed as you were you were going? So at that time I would have I still needed to pay my bills and doing a degree course meant that I had to pay for it myself um, and make it fit around what was a pretty new and young family then too. So I wasn't committed enough to any particular aspect still at that time, IT or otherwise, to go for the degree. So I left there, went to a different company and started working on a psychology degree with that company. So still wasn't, yeah, still. even though I worked for an IT company at this point, I went into an admin role, uh, logging calls, scheduling the engineers out on site and scheduling their workload. Um, but I didn't, still hadn't thought of it. It was surrounding me all day and I still hadn't thought of it. I thought psychology is interesting. Let's do that. And did you feel because you were a woman that you might have been pushed into certain roles? Absolutely. So I think it happened <clears throat> sort of habitually. Um, I'd like to say not always consciously, but it, I was in that I was in that company for 11 years. So that's 11 years is a long time ago and things were very different even to how they are now. And it was a natural, um, the natural way of things as such for, for a, a woman to be considered for the admin roles. We were considered to be stronger at it or more organised. I don't know the specifics, but I know that when it, when it came to the support centre, most of the women that worked in the support centre all began again in admin roles and not tech roles to begin with. They may have eventually moved into tech roles, but every single one started by logging cases and, you know, just data entry, really. And do you think to any extent you hold yourself back? I mean, did you see the potential that you had or were you sort of falling into that whole psychology that women were good at certain jobs? I think through the, the study that I did even though it wasn't IT-based, it taught me about 
um, thinking outside of the box, would you say, or not falling into the same way of thinking that everybody else would, whether it came to roles or it came to just day to day things. Um, so that was certainly where it began. Um, and then seeing the pattern arise of uh, the roles that the women were going into and certainly with colleagues of mine who were qualified for IT, um, who were working in admin roles and wanted to move into IT and then the penny dropped as such. It was just not something I kind of considered before. And then I would be like a dog with a bone. If I think it's something that someone's going to tell me I can't have, well, then I want it. And I don't care who's going to stand in my way. I'm going to go and I'm going to get it and I'm going to do whatever I need to get to that point. Just if for no other reason than to turn around and waggle my finger at their nose and say, see, told you I could do that. Uh, so I proceeded from there. So I still continued studying uh, psychology. I did a lot of work then um, on the job as such with regards uh, doing exams and getting my accreditations up on that side relevant to the the, the role I was in, which was a software engineer at the time. So a lot of um, payroll software, account software, Microsoft software, and became uh, the best I could at that. <clears throat> and then I moved, um, but my particular team got smaller over the the uh, recession as such, and I absorbed the roles then of all of the the people that left from that team. Um, I only realised after the fact that that was, that was pretty good to be able to hold my role as the least qualified. <laughs> Technically. Yes, do something right, yeah. Yes, yeah. on paper. But I was able to do the volume, turn it around and keep the customers on site. And, and were you appreciated for that? Uh, n not really, if I'm honest. Um, I was appreciated. I think they understood and knew that my skills were valuable. I was able to do more than one person's job. But... God forbid they say it or I'll look for more than one person's money. <laughs> well, there <laughs> you, know? you go. Yeah, that's, that's the catch. That's how it works. And then any time I, I, I do try, did try to attempt to, to do that, what happens is, well, you're not really qualified to do this job. You don't have anything on paper, so we're overpaying you as you are. Okay. And that tended to happen a lot. So there was no real value put on the work I was actually doing as far as I was concerned, but it was certainly being used as a selling point, say, to customers that I was working with and other people looking to follow the same sort of career path that I was following. So it was pick and choose as suited, you know. And um, during these these different roles that you um, took up in different companies, you were, of course, living your life and having a family at the same time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I mean, is that partly why it took you a while to get to the, the role you're in now in Tenable, yes. that you were probably focused on having kids? You have three children. Yeah, and a stepson as well. So you're very busy. Keep us then. busy. They're going from 21 down to five. So, you know, we like to spread it out, keep things yeah. as complicated as possible. Um, so, yeah, when... What happened was every time I seemed to prep to jump ship, as I put it, and even at one point I had gone, uh, would it have been six years ago now, I'd got a position with Apple. I was ready to, to go. And then before I handed in my notice, I discovered that I was expecting my youngest child now. Okay. And then the fear factor hit in. I wasn't ready to make that take make that change um, while I knew there was lots more change coming down the line. So I stayed put. One of the biggest regrets, I suppose, I would have had at the time because it was there, certainly more opportunity had I have jumped. Um, but it was what I knew was what I knew and it was familiar and it was close to home. So I stayed put. But three and a half years ago now, I had figured that enough was enough. I really got a sense of my own 
worth mm. is the best way I could put it. And what what, what what kind of gave you that sense? Because it's actually sometimes that, that kind of wake up moment is the one that's really hard to come by and yes. give you that drive. But what was it that gave you that drive in your, your, your case? So for about 18 months, maybe two years before I made the move, I my sister got involved with, uh, uh, I suppose it's an M, MLM for want of a better way of putting it. Um, and I always like to just hang out with my sister and whatever she's doing. So I went to various classes and sessions with her and I'm not recommending for a minute anyone get involved in anything like that. But what did happen in it is a lot of these sessions where um, it's to do with sort of self-improvement and understanding your own importance and what you can achieve. And it sounds a little bit hippie, but um, I really enjoyed those sessions and started to learn that, hang on there now, when I sit down and I work out the weight of what I do and how, much, how valuable it is to the company and I could even put a, a monetary value on it, I was being done. There was okay. no better way of putting it. Yep. So I thought, no, I'm worth more than this. And I need to know and show my children that I'm worth more than this. I would have absolutely died if I'd have thought that I was still going to work in that situation when my kids were old enough to understand how I was being treated or how I was being under um, appreciated. So it was really important to me to, to take the jump and show them that, you know, you know your worth. You make that jump and you make sure that everybody else understands your worth too, like. Fact, 20% of women who leave their positions in tech go on to start their own business. The Women in Tech podcast is powered by 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Visit nissan.ie for more details. So then, how did the job in Tenable come about? So they, uh, I believe they advertised on LinkedIn. And in all honesty, I had never heard of them before I saw them on LinkedIn. So I did a little bit of research. I had gone for two jobs at the time and had got offered both of them at the same time, both in the city centre in Dublin. So the biggest jump for me was making the move to work in the city centre because I live in Wexford and moving house wasn't an option. But uh, I remember at the time some of the, there was a very little difference and my husband preferred the other one. I'd be shot for even saying that. But um, I, my gut went with Tenable. They just right. felt like the right fit. My experience with the company so far felt more in line with um there was a real sense of appreciation of the employees and what they contribute to the overall um, growth and you know view of the company as opposed to you just coming in, do your job and go home again. Like, and that's really important to me to feel like I'm a part of something and appreciated as a part of that something. And you still, at that stage anyway, hadn't got a STEM qualification. Was it hard for you to show exactly what you could do or was were the companies open to your skills and, you know, and your value as, as mm. what you were talking about a minute ago? Some, no. Some wouldn't entertain it at all because it's not on the paperwork. Um, and the, certainly when it comes to going for a government position, they won't come back at all because you haven't ticked the boxes. And, uh, and I'm okay with that because I don't want to work for people who won't look beyond the rules. Um, so... Others then will will question it, but um, I had gotten pretty good at, you know, pushing my point across and showing them that what I could do. Um, I do understand that they have to take the chance and not everybody is willing to take the chance. And I was very lucky at the time because um, my boss at that time um, did like it was a. Uh, it would have been a risk for him, I suppose, but they took it. A lot of places now are starting to change their rules with regards. You have to have this uh, degree or uh, sufficient years working in the area. So by then I had 11 years working. So I, I managed to tick a box somewhere finally. Um, so with that, then he took the chance on me. And because he took the chance on me and because my own personality, I suppose, and then of course I was the only woman, 
woman and there was four of us that started first in, in Tenable in Ireland. Um, I was hell-bent that I was going to get my figures up higher and turn things around faster than anybody else on the team and keep that quality level up. So I used to aim for about 150% of what we were supposed to do. And I, I, I drilled it day on, day on, day on, day. And is that like, is that a lot of pressure on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, you, you, but you obviously love it. <laughs> well, when I know that it's going to appreciate, be appreciated at the other end. So there's two, two um, circumstances. I can do like I used to do before, do one and a half times the work. And then eventually people are asking, why are you not at your desk at lunchtime? Why are you not still at your desk at seven o'clock in the evening? Which is not appreciation. That's taken me for granted. Um, or I can do more than is expected. Like I do in Tenable and I get promoted or I get, you know, a little bit more freedom with regards whether I work from home or work in the office and um, when I take my lunch break. That I'm not, uh, it's not a clock in, clock out and um, make sure you do this many things in this order. It's not that at all. There's room to breathe. There's room to grow. You know, they've signed off on my STEM degree. Ta-ta! Great. So <laughs> you're doing that as well as your 150% uh, goals <laughs> that you've set for yourself. Yeah. So where are you at with that degree and is it a, is it a maths degree or t- exactly what so is it? So it's a combined STEM so I can pick and choose anything from the the, all of the different areas that I want to I have picked primarily from the area that I'm in um, and I've picked some sort of management and business modules as well so that I can you know get a, a deeper knowledge on that side of, of the business it's it's more relevant to the role that I'm in now than it would have been previously so I was in support for the first three years two and a half years of Tenable and now I'm in technically I'm in sales but I'm a, a technical sales as such so I don't actually have to do the hard selling I have people with, with that work with me on the CSM team on that side but I have the technical conversations and are you doing the degree because you feel you should do it or are you doing it because you really want to learn new, new stuff and actually this is helping you further your career so the only things that I've studied so far in the degree that are Newish to me is all of the the um, particulars on the business side, learning the language, learning how to uh, approach that side of things. But um, on the technical side, there's nothing yet that's come up that I haven't already had to do in my day to day. So it was very much I'm doing this because I want to have that piece of paper so I can wave it in people's faces and go see I can still do it. It's, it wasn't that I couldn't do it, it's that I didn't take the opportunity to do it prior to now. And even though you were able to prove, you know, you'd had that 11 years experience and you had ticked the boxes, do you feel it would hold you back if you, for further promotion, if you didn't get the degree? No. Not at this stage? Not a bit, no. I've been promoted three times now already in Tenable and it's it's all based solely on the work that I do and what I've achieved so far. It's never once has that come up. And in fact, I think half of the people that I work with now, probably until now, didn't even know that I don't have a degree. And in terms of your working week, then you are a couple of days in Dublin and time in Wexford. Yeah. So is that something that the company was very open to? Um, And do you think for women who are, you know, have families and whether we like it or not, women play a central role in raising families. Uh, So do you think the fact that they had flexible working is important, was important for you? Obviously it was. But is it important for women who want to get into tech to see that kind of flexibility? It's vital. There's going to be times... Like my husband very much takes the the traditional mother role at home, and um, so he does the appointments, the homework, the cooking, and uh, I do the typical traditional dad role. Um, but when it comes to things like 
uh, if I've, one of my sons needs to go to the dentist and he's feeling a little bit anxious, he knows it's not my most favourite place to be either. We might as well go together and be anxious together. And that, you know, he, if he needs me there for that, then I can work from home and I can go for those things. I mean, my youngest is only five. He, he loves nothing more than to come in from school and stick his head around the door and see that I'm there and say hello. And I have a little jar of sweets on the shelf at home that he gets one of those every time he comes in to say hi. And those little small moments are big moments. I remember as a child, um, you know, certain little things like that that were part of the routine when my mother was at home or if my dad was at home. And I want them to remember those small things that I was there and that I wasn't away all the time. So to me, it's it's vital to be able to do it. And I, I'm still the one if they're sick, my nothing would wake my husband. I'm the one that's up at night when they're sick anyway, regardless, I'm the one they look for, do you know? So I need to be able to do that. And if I've been up all night with a vomiting child, I don't want to be getting up at four o'clock in the morning and heading up to Dublin night, you know? I want to be able to get up and start later at home and do that. And Tenable have always been fab with regards that sort of flexibility. Once you're getting your job done, go for it, you know? And, and they're getting a lot out of you, so it works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've been uh, shortlisted for a couple of awards for Women in Tech. Has that been very rewarding for you? It was new. It was a totally um, new experience as such. So last year I got two for Women in Tech, two nominations and one for Women in IT. Um, I hadn't been expecting it. So when I got the email first, I immediately thought it was spam. And uh, <laughs> what? Deletion. <laughs> I was tempted to. Um, yeah. But I had to go then and search out a few names and make sure that it was legit. And uh, I was delighted. I got to go to the awards and see all these other women and you get a real sense of, of how many of us there are now. I'm so used to always being the only one or one of two that and that to go out and uh, see the volume of them and, and so many of them that are highly qualified or highly experienced either or, um, you know, it's it's a, re- a real sense of solidarity in the room. And that was lovely. That was really wonderful now. And do you think uh, women are more accepted in tech now or is it still a very male-dominated environment and there's still challenges to be faced, therefore? It's still male-dominated. But I think what's what we have now is there's a, a new surge of younger women who own it. So they know that they have every and right. And they probably don't think no. there's anything, that there's any barriers, there's nothing that's going to stop no, them. They the probably bit. think this is the way it's always been. And they can do anything. And I love that. I love that approach. I've met many of them at things like Career Zoo and they're telling you that this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is how I'm going to get there. And it's fabulous. And then there's that sort of late 20s to maybe mid 40s who are still second guessing themselves. I mean, I'm going to be 40 this year and I'm only finally starting to figure it out. But um, they... Maybe they have taken time off to to raise their kids and they want to go back to work, but they were studying that in the beginning. Maybe they want to change their career and do this from something completely different before. Maybe they have great soft skills and they want to add tech to it. And that's where all the second guessing happens because that's the generation that was told that it wasn't for us, that you should be answering the phones and taking the initial calls, but not the technical stuff. You don't know how to speak. I mean, I've had all the various things said over the year. You don't know how to speak in the technical language. You're not qualified to, you know, pregnant women. That's the funny one. Pregnant women are stupid. Don't they lose? They get brain. Lovely. <laughs> I know. It's okay for me to say it when I'm having one of those, you know, brain moments like that, but not from... Not someone else to say no, it. It's quite different. No. Yeah. And things like that, um, that make you kind of second guess yourself. Nobody dream of saying that to, to somebody now. I don't think. And do you think then, 
you know, women like yourself, you are trailblazers in a way. You might think of it like that, but <laughs> probably to this young, younger generation, you are. But you have dispelled some myths along the way. Mm. Um, myths like women should be on the phone or that's the best place for them. And do you, do, you, do you feel that or do you just feel like you're focused on the day job? And that's incidental that you may have... Uh, blazed a bit of I don't there. well my sisters would argue differently now they would certainly neither of them well one of them's moving in the direction of tech um but and the other one then is in psychology well, maybe I did have an influence <laughs> but they would they would argue that that there's something to say for what has happened so far but I very much kept my head down and focused on the end goal and there always has to be an end goal and as soon as I achieve that then there has to be another end goal so for me, it's just, it's motoring forward. And I didn't realise until all of this has come about and there's been this big movement, how many hurdles there have been that I have assumed were normal for everybody. I've assumed that a, a man would have to, you know, jump the same Do kind the same. of hurdles as well. It's only when I stop now and because I have to as part of these um, groups that I'm involved in and such that I see that, oh no, hang on there now, that's... That's not normal for now. And that was harder than I thought. And just an important point. Explain to me exactly what you do, because it's kind of an interesting <laughs> title. CSM Associate Security Engineer. What is your day job all about? So CSM is a customer success manager. That's a team that I work with in Tenable. Um, and they their job is to make sure that the relationship with the customer is kept healthy and happy. And they deal with everything except the technical side. Um, I deal with the technical side, so I often work on calls with them. But for the most part, what I do is I do regular calls with our existing and new customers. I talk to them about their current setup, their um, security intentions, not always, and often they're, well, I talk about their current practices, but ultimately where they want to go and how we can help get them there. So I spend uh, many of my days listening just to their, their woes of what they're finding difficult to do. But the fun part is really that I have to come up with solutions to each of those that are very business specific to each customer and apply our product to that situation so that they they feel that they're getting the most out of, of what they've got, but also that they're the best business practices in place for security and protection down the line. Uh, in terms of your own education, we talked about how IT was something that wasn't on your agenda. For young women and girls now who are in school, is there anything we can be doing or should be doing to try and get them to realise that this is a, a job for them, a career for them, and there's good options for them? Well, I think that there's a lot more resources now than there used to be. And certainly if to have kids involved in things like I did the, I was a judge for the coolest projects there, the beginning of the month. And um, I was very aware of the presence of, of girls in it. And see how, I think it was 30 3% this year, 35%, something like that. So it's the numbers are, are creeping up. But what I found interesting, I made my sister bring my niece to it. Um, she's never been interested in remotely IT. But I think it's important you see groups going to it, groups of boys attend these kind of things. And I think it's just as important for groups of girls, school tours, to, to, to not just take in these historical places, but take in these more interactive places, like imaginosity, say. Yeah. You know, think of things outside of the box, take them to experience these these things so that they can see that they, they're quite fun, too. I mean, I hands up, I was one of the first uh, or most reluctant people in the beginning. And once I got stuck into it, I mean, I could talk about it all day, every day. Do you know, I love it. So for them to see that it can be a fun thing, you're not stuck in front of a computer, you know, typing code into it all day long. That's not it at all. You know, 90 percent of it is, is the relationship with the people around you and what you're learning from them and what you're teaching them. 
So what's next for you then? You've got this, uh, not that you're, you're pretty busy as it is, but uh, <laughs> it, you've, got, you've got your, your uh, qualification in hand uh, and you're obviously in a job that you really enjoy, but where do you see yourself going? Well, I know in the short term I'm, I'm going to do my first big um, conference as such, so I'll be speaking at Women in Tech in September. Um, but in the long term, uh, up until someone dares to tell me different and then I'll go above them. <laughs> Let's just keep going. I always just focus, like I say, on one thing um, at a time. So for me uh, now, hopefully it'll be further along within my team, whether it's in a technical role or in a, in a management role until I just do it until I've run out of roles to go there and then I'll move to another team and. As long as Hannibal is going to, you know, continue to support me moving upwards, then I'm going to continue to climb that ladder. So that's great. Uh, in terms of your particular career journey and the fact that you didn't have a traditional start, <laughs> if there is such a thing, given that it's relatively new tech and and particularly women in tech, but uh, given all that, how important do you think it is to be vocal and for you to tell your story and get? People maybe who are in their 20s and think they have a skill but aren't even doing anything remotely like what they th this kind of a career yet. How important is it for you to share your story and tell them it's never too late. If you're interested, yes. keep going. You'll find your way there eventually. Yeah, I think if, if there's anything you want to do, and especially when it comes to tech, it's it's an ever-evolving um project as such you know if you're studying uh, even if you're studying a four-year degree whilst the core of it is still relevant it will have all a lot will have changed four years in so it's possible to keep um on it and keep studying if it's so it has to be something that interests you if it interests you it'll drive you and it won't matter what area that you go into just keep the head down and move along with it um be it that you study or if it's a case that you have done something prior that can be turned we have people We've ex-sailors, we've ex-carpenters, we've ex-army in, in Tenable. There's all sorts, do you know? And it's very important to consider that if everybody in the one room is coming from the same technical angle, we're probably missing somebody's perspective. And in order to, to get the full picture and make sure that you're covering all bases, you need that. So don't be afraid to to change today. I changed three and a half years ago and my gosh, have I not looked back. Not one moment have I looked back. It's the best thing I ever did. I just wish I had done it even earlier. But then, tell wasn't here even earlier than that. <laughs> Look, that's great, uh, Jennifer. Thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Thank you. That's all we have time for on this final episode of the Women in Tech series brought to you by 100% Electric Nissan Leaf. Don't forget you can catch up on all the latest tech news and interviews with Adrian Weckler's Big Tech Show but for now, that's it for me, Samantha McCochran, and thanks for listening. The Women in Tech podcast brought to you by 100% Electric Nissan Leaf.